Psalms chapter 11. Would you put that for me on the screen, please? Amen. God's in the house, amen. amen. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string. They may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Verse four. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in the heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked, the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Two more verses. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstones, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. One more verse. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. I want to go back to verse 3 just for a moment. And I love this scripture right here in verse 3. I've never preached this. I started last week teaching you about the right foundations. We're living in a time when that people are straying away from the truth of God's word. And there are some saying that the strategy or the obstacles that we're facing now and the trials and the crisis that we're facing now, that God is inadequate or God is not adequate to meet our present circumstance because of situations and things that we've done. Now we have somehow come to a dilemma that God is not able. But I'm just from the old school with this thought. That the same God that brought our grandparents through is the same God that can bring us through to here today. So David said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What David was saying was, you trust in whatever you want to trust, but I'm going to trust in the foundation that I began in, and I'm not going to stray away from that that I know to be truth. That's all I have this morning. I'm going to teach just for a few moments and preach from this word. Would you stretch your hand this way, Pastor Russell? Would you pray over me, please? Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Give me just a moment, please. In Psalms chapter 11, I'm going to turn here. I had a few notes I wanted to share with you, but somehow they have walked off from the pulpit. And if you know me by now, that doesn't mean anything to me because I am ready. I want to just pull my verses up. That only lets me know that God, what he's put in my heart, I need no distraction for what he wants to say to the people of God. In Psalms chapter 11, it is a powerful text. David is now finding himself in a place that he has no options. He is there, we think, we do not know, but theologians are describing that he is running from Saul. Saul has him now, what we would say, um, Brother Loudermill, what we would say in a, in a cow pasture where I grew up, he is hemmed in. He can't go anywhere. The enemy has now ha has him trapped because of certain situations. So they feel like David is now on the run and he has no options and he has nowhere to go. His world is turned upside down and that that he has stood upon, it looks from the outside that it's not working. 
it seems to be as falling apart that his foundations are breaking through. What the one translation says, the underpinning of his life is now not working. Are you listening this morning? And what is happening here is this, and when David sees this, his advisors, those that he leans upon, they come to him and they said to him, David, we've got a word from you. You've got to be careful for all the people that say that they have a word for your life. Now, everybody that says they have a word really has a word for your life. Some people want to seem spiritual. Some people want to seem like they have something to tell you because they want to elevate themselves in the spirit. But true men and women of God that really have a word for you, they don't want to be recognized. They just want to drop a letter off in your life and ease out the back door. Amen. That's good. That's good. You keep going, I'll preach to one o'clock if you keep playing like that. Amen. <laughs> And what is happening is his advisors now come to him and say to him, David, this thing is not working. You're not going to sing your way out of this. You're not going to dance your way out of this. You're not going to shout your way out of this. Your plans have failed. Your God's not, not working for you right now. Everything that you once stood upon, it seems like it's falling apart. Now, I've come to preach to a few people today, just like the family that left a few moments ago. Right now in your life, everything that you thought would be the stability of your life has failed you. Your 401K, your resources, your job, your health, your church, your family, Everything that you banked your life upon, it seems like it now is failing you. And you find yourself at a place that you say, Pastor, I don't know why I'm going through this storm and I don't know why my child is behaving the way she's behaving. I don't know why my son's behaving. I don't know why my spouse is doing this. And everybody around me is saying this, you failed God, you sinned, you've done this and you've done that. If you were a better mom, if you were a better preacher, if you were a better church, if you were better this, these things would not be happening to you. And I say to that foolishness, that's a bunch of immature Christians who have not lived a day yet or if they don't understand, they better be careful because there is a storm on their horizon. Yeah, don't give me that testimony that you've never done nothing, never seen nothing, never touched nothing, and you've never been through nothing. You either just got saved five minutes ago or I would ask you, are you really saved? Oh, Brother Nolan, you can't preach that. Yes, I can. The Bible said that those that live godly shall suffer persecution. So you just must not be living godly then. Come on, somebody. Let's just talk a little bit. And so what is happening in David's life is at this very moment, they're telling David, David, give up on God. David, try something new. And if you're not going to give up on God, at least just run a little while. Flee from this present state. Get away from your situation. But let me ask you something. What happens when you can't run? Come on. I'm going to preach now. God set you up this morning. What happens when you can't run from the cancer? What happens when the child that's done wrong is in your house and eating at your table? What happens when it's your wife or your child or your person that looked at this or did that when you can't run? See, if it's not bone of your bone, you can look on the outside and say, bless you, I'm praying for you. But when it's in your house, 
It's in your church. It's in your situation. And you feel like all eyes are looking at you and you've done right and you serve God and you tithe and you've been faithful. And even the people at your job who are heathens and don't even live right, who were drinking last night, they look at you on Monday and they say, I don't even know why you go to church. You go to church. You're a good person. But if you were this good, why are these bad things happening to you? Why are these evil things coming against you? You've served God all your life. And where is your God now? I've come to preach to about three people this morning to let you know, don't you let the world dictate who your God is. And don't you let your crisis or your storm tell you how strong your God is. And when all the world around you is questioning why you come to church and why you give and why you give the missions and why you're being faithful and you've done this for 33 years and now your life is in chaos, it is nothing but a last day attack from the enemy to move you from the right foundation. It is nothing but the enemy's last resort to get you to cuss God and move away from God. It is nothing but the enemy telling you you did this, you've done that, you've sinned too much, you've done this or that and he wants you to turn your back on God but I come as a new school preacher with an old school word for somebody this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life but I do know this he is still God and he is still holy and he is still righteous and he will not fail you. Psalms 11 they tell David, David and I love what he says at first, he says I'm gonna put my trust in God. They follow up and they said, David, how can you say this? We, the theologians believe that Saul has you trapped. Why don't you be like a bird and flee to the mountains? Listen to me. Some of you are letting people speak into your life that do not have the authority or right to speak into your life. You're at a football game asking somebody should you leave your wife or not. You're at a dance recital talking to another married woman about your marital problems. You're talking to a heathen, a person who doesn't know God. I'm not judging them. But I am asking you, why are you asking those who are not faithful whether or not you should be faithful? What do you think about my child? I know you haven't had any children. I know you're not a Christian. I know you don't go to church. I know you don't give to God. But I want to ask you, what should I do about my child? Are you kidding me? That would be like bringing me your vehicle and asking me to fix the motor. <laughs> Herschel, where are you at, my friend? Now, I can tell you about Psalms 11, but I don't know about changing that carburetor. You understand? Maybe an old school carburetor, I can go to work on it. But with these new computers, I don't know. You understand? You wouldn't bring it to me, but yet we open the door to let all these voices speak into our life, and we have locked out the Holy Spirit. We're no longer led by the Spirit. We're no longer governed by the Spirit. We're no longer moved by the Spirit. We no longer pray, as Jew said, pray in the Spirit. And we have opened a door to let so-called boys and so-called girls and so-called advisors tell us what to do with our money, what to do with our family, what to do with our jobs, and what to do with our careers. Are you 
kidding me? When did we let so many voices tell the church how the church should be done? Listen to me, I'm preaching. We pull our seat up to the table of people that are full of the devil and ask them to tell us how to grow the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, we need to go back to the place and say, God, if you don't speak, we don't go. If you don't God, we don't go. We wait upon the moving of the Spirit of God or we don't move at all. David said, they said, David, you need to run. Well, that's good for some of you. If you can run like Forrest Gump, then you can run. But what happens when you can't run? What happens when you can't go nowhere? What happens when everybody else can quit but you made a vow and you can't go? What happens when you're there alone and you're a single dad or a single mom and everybody else can run but you've made a pact with that child that you know everybody else may leave, baby, but I'll never walk out of your life. Am I preaching to anybody today in this house? Everybody thinks you think they're judging you, but let me tell you, they're not really judging you. Those that are judging you are those that got sin in their life right now, but those that are in a battle with you, sir, ma'am, they're not judging you. They're telling you trust Jesus as they're trust Jesus. There's no stones in our hands. It's nothing but a church letting you know that your God will not fail you. So first of all, this morning, quit listening to every voice around you. Quit asking people that are ungodly what you should do about your marriage. I know 50 shades of gray has taught you this. Let's just go, let's just do it. I know Men's Magazine has taught you this. I know Oprah taught you that. And I know the church down the road taught you this. But I just gotta ask somebody, what does the word say this morning? David, you need to run. And David says to them, I can't run. David said, what you don't know is that when I go to run, He said, they're already laying wait. There are people trying to move up Saul's ladder, we think, and what they're doing, they got bow and arrows in their hands. Anybody a bow hunter in the house? Anybody, anybody? We got one, two, three. Kevin, you're from Tennessee, that don't count. Anyway, uh, anybody else? Are you listening? What David was saying was, what you don't understand, sir, you can't see what I see. See, these people, they advise you from the natural platform. And people that advise you from the natural platform, they may have some truth, but they don't have all truth. I wish somebody would listen. They're advising you for what they know, either from life or their experience. But the problem is their experience is limited. I would guess you're about 51 years of age or somewhere there. He has 51 great years. He has a lot of wisdom. Joey's probably about 41. He has a lot of wisdom. You understand what I'm saying? But the problem is they are limited. The people that are speaking in your life, they are limited. Because even though he's wise at 51, he's not all wise. But the ancient of days was before the days. And so we're getting advice from people that have limitation. And sometimes what they're saying can actually be true. The little girl that was possessed with the devil was saying truth about Paul and Silas, but they still cast the devil out. It's not enough to be truth of the natural. It's what God is saying in the supernatural. Russell, your daughter is on her way to hell, somebody would say. He doesn't have a daughter. Russell, your daughter is living this way. Russell, your daughter is living this way. But what they don't know is that God has given them a word in the night. And see, we're judging by what we see. But it's not what you see that matters. It's what you don't see that matters. God, we can't fight them. God, there are too many of them. But what did he tell him? 
Boy, you need to open your eyes for there are more for you than they are against you. You just can't see the mighty hand of God. I don't know who I come to preach to, but quit getting your advice from the Ford dealership, the coffee maker, or the school downtown. Go back to your prayer closet and don't you move till you get a word from Almighty God. Your life is not over. Your situation is not over. Your problem is not over. If God is still God, God can turn your situation around this morning. David said, they're about to shoot arrows at me right now and you don't even know it. So even though your advice was good, it was faulty. Verse three, then David would say it this way as I close. He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What David was saying was this, you trust in whatever you wanna trust in. Yeah. For the next five minutes, I want you to hear me and I'll close. I know I'm a little old school. I know I move and I'm a little hyper and I get a little excited. And sometimes I speak a little fast. I'm guilty. Amen. And I know that there are some people who will say that this type thing is outdated. I want you to hear me. But I want to tell you really who I am. It's not the emotion that you see. But when I gave my heart to the Lord, I based it and I bedrocked it in Jesus Christ. It was not in men, it was not in angels. It was not in gold dust falling and it was not in philosophies. It was not in formulas, pluralism, or any religion that will do you. It was Jesus Christ and him crucified and him coming again. And David was saying to them, you wasn't there. I know, listen to me, I'm not saying David cast them out. I believe that his advisors had the best intentions. I really do. But I also hear David saying this in verse three. Amy, I can hear him saying, were you there on the day that the prophet showed up at my house? Were you there when my own daddy didn't recognize my ability? And while he was hoping that Abinadab would be the one that would be the king of Israel, I was on the backside of a sheep field guarding some sheep. All of a sudden a bear came up and I grabbed that bear up under the power of the Holy Ghost and I broke that bear's neck. Were you there with the day that the lion come up to devour my father's sheep? And that lion came up and I took that staff and I beat that beast down upon the power of the Holy Ghost. I know you think you have a word for me, but what you don't know, I'm not worried about this giant right now. Were you there the day I heard this uncircumcised Philistine stand up and declare and cuss my God? And I looked around and said, is there not a cause when nobody stand up and fight this giant that cusses the great God of Israel? Were you there the day that I took five stones in a sling and I put one stone in that sling and I swung it around and I let that rock go and it hit that Philistine Goliath right in the forehead and he fell. Were you there when I took his own sword and I took his neck and I cut it off to let them know my God is still God. He will not be mauled. He is God Jehovah and he's worthy of all praise. I know I made some mistakes along the way 
Were you there the day that I saw the presence of God come back into the people of God and the place of God? And I danced like a madman. I took off my royal robe and I laid it by the wayside. And I danced such a fort before my wife. She despised me. But I wasn't there to impress my wife. I was there to declare, God, I can't go one more day without your presence. I don't care what the board says. I don't care what the church says. I don't care if they like my shout or my dance. I just know this. I'd rather have God on my side than any fortresses of this world. Were you there? I hear David saying, Joey, in verse three, I come to preach to people like Joy who's been in the hospital. I come to preach to people like the Wilson family that's burying the grandma. I come to preach to people today like the Pope family who has a child in the hospital and they can't find out what's wrong. I come to preach to the Russell Baldwins who's faithful in every area but his mother-in-law now is fighting to get better in her life. I've got a word for you this morning. You let the enemy know were you there the night that he saved me? Were you there the night that he turned my life around? Were you there the night that he came in my life and drove every sin in my life. You stand back up on the solid rock. You stand back up on the right foundation. Don't you let the wind move you. Don't you let the wind of religion move you. You stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and declare, if God be for me, then who can be against me? For the Holy Ghost. Come on, raise your hands and magnify the Lord. He's in the house. Come on, raise your hands and magnify the Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. I got to say this. I'll close. David was saying, I have built my life on this rock. And if this, oh, thank you. And even if it costs me my life, I will die on this rock. But brother, no, I heard about this new church. If it's a Bible-believing church, we celebrate it. We launch churches. We send money all over the world. Your former pastor did it. I do it. We believe in church planning. But listen to me. It ain't a church. Oh, that's, that's bad English, but it'll work. It ain't a church just because it has a steeple or because it has a cute T-shirt or because it has a new website or slogan. If it's not built on nothing less but Jesus Christ, in his, righteous, his righteousness. Do not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. Yeah. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. David was saying, I cannot flee to the highest mountain like the bird. I cannot run from what I know to be true. And I've come to remind somebody, don't leave your prayer closet. Don't push away from fasting. Don't push away from a church that preaches the word of God. Don't push away from the, the power of Pentecost. Don't push away from what you know to be true. Brother Nola, my child right now is in sin. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. David was simply saying, Justin, there is no other foundation that is laid. The writer of the New Testament come back and say, the foundation that is laid is laid, and there is no other foundation that can be laid. First Peter would say it this way, he is the cornerstone of all the faith stands upon. And to others, he is a stumbling rock. But to us, he is the rock that we are bedrocked in 
and we shall not be moved. To Jacob, he was the first to call it. Jacob said, he is the chief stone that shall not fall. For 20 years of my life, Chris, I have found him to be true and to be faithful. So why are you moving away from him today? Brother Nolan, I just, I got mad with God. All right, I've been there. Can I give you a deep word? Let's get over it now. That's right. I'm not mad at you. I've been there. I believe Job at one time kind of got close to there. I know you're mad because somebody left. You're mad because you didn't get the position. You're mad. Can, can I give you another deep word? It's time to get over it. That's right. I know that's not really deep. It's just kind of practical, but it's still deep. Amen? The foundation is the foundation. How can we as believers go to hospitals like I've seen this week with our children with needles all in their arms and still declare as they sung about, our Lord, he is good. Because it's not on the circumstance, it's because the foundation will not fail. What are you building your family on today? Brother Nolan, I want to spend time with my family. That's a good thing. Tonight, I encourage you. Tomorrow, I encourage you. But not every Sunday morning. The best time you can spend with your family on Sunday morning, right here. That's right. They need to see my pretty face every Sunday morning. <laughs> what are you building your finances on? What are you building your faith on? Are you fleeing like the visors? Try something new. Try a new philosophy. Jesus plus a feeling. I don't care how you feel. Your feelings don't matter to me. It's your faith based upon Jesus Christ. Amen. Your feelings will fail you. Your feelings will turn your life wrong. But if you're built on the right foundation, you shall not fall. Would you stand with me please all over the house? He said in verse four, the Lord in his temple. Brother Neil, why can I trust the right foundation? I'll tell you why. Because one writer of the Old Testament said he is Jehovah Shammah. It means that everywhere that I go, the presence of the Lord is there. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Everywhere that I go, I cannot outrun the presence of God. My foundation is sure this morning because it's banked upon a God that will never leave me nor forsake me. David says, I'm not running away from God. I'm gonna stand on the solid rock. Knowing that when you come against me, devil, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, goodness, mercy, they're following me all the days of my life. What are you worried about this morning? If you built this on the rock and not sinking sand, you have nothing to worry about. It is a sure foundation. Father, I've taught your word and I come to, came to remind somebody that when the foundations fall, yours will not. There are people here, God, they feel like their world is falling apart. Their dreams didn't come to pass. The things that they had banked on, God, it seems like they can never reach. They're un unattainable. But God, I remind them that they're standing on a good platform. And if their hope is based in you, they will not fall, God, 
it will last. So let naysayers speak. Let advisors advise. But God, the confidence is this. My foundation shall not fail. In Jesus' name. Whenever every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment, is there somebody in the house who will say, Pastor, I'm telling you, I feel like the winds are blowing against me in such a way. I feel like my world's being turned upside down. And I just want you to pray over me. And I want to make sure that my roots, Colossus 2, are deep and established. Would you step out by faith? Would you step out? Jessica's coming to sing for us right now. Would you step out?